1: This podcast is produced by podcastandradio.com.
0: Small Biz. Small biz America. The Brain.
1: Our guest on this segment is the CEO of Double Forte PR and Digital Marketing an acclaimed communications strategist. Lee Caraher is known for her practical solutions to big problems. Her company works with some of the top consumer and technology brands in the country. And Lee is the author of Millennials in Management which is based on her own experience with failing and then succeeding at retaining millennial employees. She's also the author of The Boomerang Principle, which was released this year. We're sitting together in 2017. Lee has a reputation for building cohesive, high-producing teams who have fun together. What a concept at the same time. So, Lee Carraher, welcome to the program. David, so
2: thank you for being with me.
1: Absolutely. So uh, I thought we'd start with the books. Um, there's two to just kind of give our listeners a, a top level view of what they are. So millennials in management, and this is bubbling up a lot as they tend to, as we find millennials are entering the workforce so much. Tell me about your experience mm-hmm. and what led to writing the book.
2: So uh, my company was formed in 20, 2002. We didn't hire anybody who didn't have 10 years of experience for the first six years of the business. So we had no millennials. Uh, in 2008, when everything went into, um, you know, a deep depression <laughs> called the Great Recession, right. uh, you know, every time you go into some sort of uh, economic impact like that, you should look at your business model because I don't think the same business model that took you into it is the one that takes you out of it. And from that reflection, decided we should hire uh, younger people with not as much experience. Didn't think anything of it. Um, hired our first young person. And that person brought her dog to work the first day and I was, and left at 3 o'clock. And I was like, what just happened? And so um, my yep. friend was like, these millennials are terrible. I'm like, what's a millennial? <laughs> so um, we figured that out. Right. And, then, and then later on, um, about 12 months later, she, she was great. She's fantastic, by the way. Later on, uh, about a year later, we hired six millennials within eight weeks of each other. And they wow. all were gone within three months. Oh my and God. One person could be a bad hire, but six could not. I've never had 100% failure in hiring and retaining people in my career. I've been known for it. And so that was a body blow. Um, I looked at everything around millennials in the workplace. There was not one thing positive to find. So I decided to figure out my own positive way forward myself. Did it, and then I uh, started working. That took a while, a lot of trial and error, lots and lots of interviews, trying to figure out what we were doing wrong. Um, Created some new culture around making it right. Um, started doing that kind of work for my clients. And then one day someone said, "We me, just please publish this book. And so that's it. That's how I got that book done.
1: Wow. Wow. Clearly a result of your own uh, sort of arc. So what, you know, yeah. without uh, without literally giving the whole thing away, uh, Lee, what yeah. what did you, a couple of things you learned that you were doing wrong and that many other organizations tend to get wrong about how to create a culture around the millennials? And I, I've heard that they don't like to be grouped into a name like millennials, but yeah. we'll, we'll do that for now because that way we know who 92%. we're talking about.
2: 92 so basically, millennial just tells you when they were born.
1: Right, exactly. Truly. It's a date but stamp. There's
2: so right. much negative. There's so much negative stuff around it that ninety two percent of millennials don't want to be called millennials. Exactly. I don't blame them at all. Right. Um. Here's what I thought. You know, the negative things around millennials were that they're entitled, that they're lazy, that they don't know how to work, and that they sort of want everything on a silver platter. Right. And um, what I found was they're not entitled. They're conditioned. They're not lazy at all. They work very differently. Um, And yes, they do want things on the platter because they've been giving it, you know, how we've parented this generation is so different how the Gen Xers and boomers were parented and educated. But if you um, set expectations high and early and repeat them often, um, bringing that context, bringing opportunity to the plate, uh, you can create a place where uh, context and uh, achievement is really easy to achieve. And if you have... place where millennials can thrive boomers and exes also thrive but the reverse is not necessarily true so that's what i learned in a nutshell and the book is very practical like here's all the data and then here's how you do it um with and it's not just one person's responsibility we can't just say oh managers are all terrible or millennials all terrible right. it's written to be um, read by teams together so you can figure out um you know do's and don'ts for managers and do's and don'ts for employees so uh, all together so you can figure out a way forward
1: Love it. Okay, great. Uh, So that's Millennials in Management, and that's a book uh, released by Lee?
2: 2014.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yep. So uh, 2014.
2: Published by Taylor and Francis,
1: yeah. Terrific. And uh, of course, we're visiting with the author, Lee Carreher. Uh, Now, the new book is called The Boomerang Principle, Lee, and uh, that was released this year. So what is The Boomerang Principle?
2: So the boomerang principle is the belief that companies and organizations that encourage and allow former employees to return to them have a strategic advantage over those that don't. And um, I wrote this out of sort of the experience of my first book, where um, yeah. Yeah. every time I went, I spoke, I gave over a hundred speeches on this topic, millennials and management, over the course of two years, and almost everywhere I went, I the wall that I walk, walked into from older people was, oh, these millennials are just job hoppers. Why am I going to put any effort into them? Cause they're going to walk out the door and, I, and they're dead to me. Once they leave, they're dead to me. Why am I doing this? And this of course is, this is wrong. It's <laughs> so wrong. So I was able to share my experience of when, um, before I started this company, I worked for a very large uh, public relations and media firm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, in the 2000 era, where if you had a pulse, you got a job in San Francisco, and it was my office was a revolving door. It was people coming in. I got a new offer, 20% raise, you stay for six months. Oh, I got a new offer, lead, 20% raise. You know, it's just ridiculous. Oh, wow. And we were sort of, we were instructed to keep people in, you know, reserve some cash so you can get people bumps when they, you know, threaten to leave. Wow. I was exhausted by this. It was a, revol- it was a revolving door. Yeah. So I was like, you know, one day I woke up, I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this anymore. So the, that day when I decided this, a person comes in my office and he tells me, Lee, I'm leaving. Um, and I said, good luck. And he was so mad at me. And I, aren't you going to counter me? I'm like, no, I'm not countering anymore. I'm done. I'm done countering. Right. Said, you have to counter. You countered Fred last week. I'm like, no, we're not countering anymore. Right. He's a new sheriff. Right. Wow. And, and I said, then I said to him, I said, uh, and when you're ready to leave that company, which I knew he would leave pretty soon, uh, call me, and I hope that there's a space here for you because I would love for you to come back. And yeah. what I learned from that, when I stopped countering, people stopped leaving. Wow. Uh, so what I've learned from that in my own company is, um, and we're 15 years old, we're a small company, 35 people, um, and over 15 years we have rehired 12 people and we've rehired four people twice. Wow. And. What I've learned from this is, one, if you can think about loyalty, not just when you pay people, which, of course, by definition is not loyalty. That's a transaction. (laughs) But think about employee loyalty for their entire lives. Like You want to have as many people loyal to you after they leave you as possible, because that is where you should focus for sustainability in this era. Um, and that is what the Boomerang Sense is all about, because if you create an environment where people return and they return when, they're, when they've gone off and done something different, they become more valuable to you, actually, when they come back to you because they've learned something yes. different.
1: Yes, right? yes, yes, yes.
2: This is something that is this is sustainability because millennials and Gen Z, they do not believe they're going to have the same job with the same employee, play, employer, for more than four, four or five years. Yeah, it's this baked into the old model, right? Yeah, it's
1: baked into it's the baked way in. they live. Yeah,
2: yeah, but they also right, doesn't mean they shouldn't come back later. Doesn't mean they're not going to be more valuable to you later. Doesn't if you re- if you recruited them once and they were good. I'm not saying re- I'm not saying bring everybody back. I'm saying just bring the good people back. <laughs>
1: well, right, and be open <laughs> to a culture. Them, yeah, be open to it. Right? Yeah, be open to a culture where it, created, this can. Yes, yes.
2: Yeah. If you've created a, an environment where people return to, you've created a firm where people are going to stay longer. Well, and the longer yeah. a good employee stays, the more profitable you are. Period.
1: I love your distinction between the transaction and the relationship, the arc of someone's career and the fact that, you know, it's like a snowball. They're going to become more valuable to you when they go out, explore other environments, other cultures, other types of work, other projects, Mm -hmm. and then come back. I mean, it's just a much broader view of people and a much healthier view of people than just, it's about this exchange of energy called money. I love that. Right. I love that. Well,
2: I think that the other piece of that is that, um, it's a path of least resistance for sure. (laughs) It basically, it says it's not the company's responsibility to keep someone in the company who doesn't want to be there. Right. I think the most, the most loyal act an employee can do is leave when they're not excited or motivated by the opportunity at hand.
1: Exactly. Because,
2: you know, your company may not be able. So my company is pretty small, 35 people, right? If someone wants to be a nurse, I can't keep them. However, they can go out into the world, you know, I can help them become a nurse. They could work at night. They could work part time while they go to school. And when they leave, they'll be out in the universe saying great things about working for Double Forte. And if they're out in the universe thinking great things about working for Double Forte, when they see someone, they're like, you know what, I think Joe should work for you. Joe, let me connect you with Lee. I have just shortened the period of time that I'm recruiting a new person. I've just driven down the cost of bringing somebody in because they're already filtering out the people I won't hire. And they're bringing them to me on a platter. Well, that's the kind of loyalty I want to inspire for my own company. And if we all did that, imagine the better place we'd be, be living in.
1: And the company's Double Forte, the website yes. double forte dot com, just like it sounds. We're visiting with Lee Caraher. She's the uh, CEO, of San Francisco and New York, right, Lee? Correct. I spend right. my time in both places. So you have uh, thirty five employees across both. You know what strikes me as we visit here together on this segment is uh, the internal. Culture and the internal brand that you do. I mean, so much. We're going to move now to the external and what you do for clients. But the, yeah. this in, this con, this uh, focus you have on creating a, um, a vibrant, attractive culture for people to participate in and, and share. I mean, that, that, that comes so across in the way you talk about how you do this. It's really, you're as much AR, i sorry, you're as much HR as you are so yeah. many other things, right. In terms of branding on the mm-hmm. inside. Yeah,
2: absolutely. That's so cool. Which I think it's, well, I do think that is, uh, a, the new brand, the new real brand is both because you, you know. You used to be able to sort of divide the external world from the internal world, and you no longer can do that. Yeah. And if you don't think about your employees as your first customers, man, you are you are working too hard,
1: right? Which so, said, uh, yeah, yeah,
2: you know, go ahead, you're working so hard, and you're and you're losing money, right? You're not working to profit. You're you're spinning your wheels and losing money every time you're having to fix something in house,
1: right?
2: Mm-hmm. So. Uh, It's not. I mean, I guess I could say, you know, I want to be in a good place where, I mean, I created my company so I could do what I like to do in a really good way uh, with good people around me and make a big difference for the companies that we choose to work for. But, uh, you know, at the same time, um, uh, it's not all artistic, right? It's easier. It's easier. It's fun to come to work. It's easier when you have a high expectation that everyone hits. It's easier to filter out who doesn't belong with you when they don't you know, when they're not, uh, they're not pulling their weight.
1: Yeah. Engaged would be one word.
2: I'm all about, e- I'm frankly, I'm all about making things as easy as possible.
1: Yeah. It's beautiful. Uh, when you talk about a holistic approach, this is probably a good segue, right? This internal external thing, mm-hmm. uh, to integrated communications. I noticed some language in your website and I pulled it out cause it fascinated me. What, what does that mean? In- a holistic approach to integrated communications.
2: Yeah. So integrated communication is um, everything that every audience you're speaking to or speaking with or in relationship with is getting the same message regardless of who they are. So employees get the same message as uh, partners, which who get the same message as um, the market, which gets the same message as consumers. And when you make everything work together as opposed to I'm going to tell the sales guys this. I'm going to tell my internal people this. I'm going to tell the press this. I'm going to tell the Instagram that. Um, which sometimes that gets becomes very siloed because there are different responsibilities within a company. Yeah. Um, and, and people, you know, they, oh, I'm going to say this. But, you know, you go out into the world and then you look on Facebook and go, that doesn't say this. And so you're confused. And anytime you create confusion in the market, you're creating a resistance to purchase, for lack of a better yeah. You know, could not yeah. just be purchased, could be partner, could be whatever, right? So anytime um anytime you can streamline communication so it is looks all the you know, it says the same thing, like my color is uh, blue green. And everyone sees the color blue green, right? As opposed to I'm turquoise, I'm sort of dark blue. I might be blue greenish, you know? <laughs> each each of those, they're all the same they're all blue greeny, yeah, right? But yeah. they're not blue green. And anytime you create is it turquoise? It, like a Pantone color is a Pantone color, right? Right. Anytime you, anytime you can create that one Pantone color out in the marketplace for the for the words, that's when you're going to um, not create confusion, and you know lower the path of resistance to purchase, um, or subscription, or whatever understanding. And anytime you can do that, that's holistic communication. And the whole point of communication is to stop it, right? We want to stop communication and start a transaction or start a relationship. And um, anytime you have to like, it's like, think about it like email, email. How many times have you got email? Let's have dinner. What day? What day works for you? How about seven? How about six? How about this restaurant? Oh, I'll be across town. Oh, I'm going to bring my own wine. Do you want white or red? Oh, I don't like fish. You know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to the whole story told so you can see the whole thing in a context. Uh, no matter what platform, no matter who you're talking to. So that's holistic integrated communication. And that's what we do at Double Forte.
1: And is that separate and apart from Double Forte's different point of view, quote unquote? In other words, I know, or is that more, um, is different point of view more a result of a process you go through with a new client when you're beginning to engage with them?
2: I think our different point of view comes from a couple places. One is that well, some companies may only hire us for one communication function so public relations or media relations so if someone hires us only for media relations uh we will not do the media relations for that company unless we understand the rest of the communication mm-hmm. um ecosystem mm-hmm. so we can make sure that any work we do actually helps as opposed to confuses yes. So that is a different Mostly, you know, we have a different point of view on that. It comes from having worked in house at Sega of America when Sega of America was uh, a Sonic the Hedgehog thing, um, a billion and a half dollar company in this country. Um, and I had never been in house before, I'd only been on the agency side. And I really, truly did not understand why my clients couldn't come back because what could they possibly be doing but eating lunch? And then I went in house, had this job, vice president communications at this company. I was spending $11 million in, uh, services and I could spend, I spent no time with those people. Oh, I had no time for them. Like, okay, make sure those things work well. I need to worry about other things. $11 million. That's a huge budget in, in public relations. Yeah. And, um, I found that you serve better once you've been served. So that is the point of view we bring to our clients. So because we know that although you might be the director of PR the things that come across your desk, everything comes across your desk in this function. And if you're not thinking about the whole piece, you're just creating work and confusion. And uh, any time an agency is creating work and confusion for their client uh, is a time where they're setting themselves up to be fired. And, you know, I'm, again, I'm here for the, you know, let's do things easier by doing things better at the beginning.
1: Love it. We're visiting with Lee Karaher. She's the CEO of Double Forte, the website www.double-forte.com. As we close out our time together, I found your work about rebranding, rebranding, pretty fascinating, mm-hmm. at least for, you know, top level. How do you like to frame the, this rebranding process for your clients? It, it's uh, often misunderstood or underestimated, isn't it? Yeah, so true.
2: Oh, we'll just change the logo. A brand is not a logo, right? right a logo right. is right. the uh, physical, rec- you know, physical representation of your brand. And I think too often people just, oh, we just need to make a new logo, and that is not, you know, what's more important is looking into the hood and saying what's our brand all about. And you, if you're new in the world, a startup, it's actually much easier than if you're an existing uh, company. So yeah. Uh, yeah. a rebrand should be about the future not about the past, and not about the the present. So Double Forty just went through this um, process, we, were, you know, we started the company 15 years ago, we've had the same logo the whole time until mm-hmm. recently,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and as we we're looking towards our 15th anniversary, um, I think these kind of milestones are really important to not let pass you by in terms of reflection and projection. Um, and our company has been th- has been through nothing has changed more in our culture than communication in the last ten years. Nothing, yeah, yeah. right. Twitter. We started the company before Facebook was uh, available to non students,
1: right? Wow. So before
2: wow. Facebook, yeah. before Twitter, before yeah. LinkedIn, before all these things. So, and now sixty percent of our work is on these platforms. So, it's important to make sure not only are you relevant for today, but you're relevant for tomorrow. And it makes, you know, are you reflective of that? And I think what our logo, which I was very attached to, um, it reflected the music. It gave hints to the music, the D and the B looked like little music. notes. You know, it was very cute. And I, yeah. it worked really well, but it, does, it didn't really speak to where we're going. So, and it was, you know, it was about a eight month process of making sure we were listening to our clients, the people we deal with, uh, what are the value? you know, are the values still there? Are they, need to be articulated in a different way? Because, you know, if you are, if your logo represents you, everything behind it all has to line up. Or again, you're in dissonance. And it, you know, people are wearing logos that make no sense to they were not proud to wear them. If people aren't proud to wear the logo, then you are, uh, you know, a lot of people make like t-shirts that no one wears that go into Goodwill. So, <laughs> um, that's really the piece. Wow. And not every client, not every company needs a rebrand. Truly. Just In because, other words, some uh, think they
1: do and they don't. Is that what you mean?
2: Yeah, some think they do and they don't because they're not. You know, they're just. Oh, it'd be so much easier if. Yeah. Well,
1: that's not the real problem.
2: First, yeah. Fix something. You no, know, you're not answering your customer service. Do that first. Then we'll worry about your logo.
1: Right. Ex- yeah. 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 It's a you distraction. Know? Priority. For yep. Yeah. Oh, I love the way you think about it's business. This, pretty, been, right? this is this is great. Pretty. Yeah.
2: Like, oh gosh, I got a new pin. No, who cares about the pin? Where you know? Let's yeah, focus on the business and then make sure that it's represented by an icon.
1: Some brilliant insights. Lee Caraher has been our guest. She's the author of two books you should know about: Millennials and Management. And the Boomerang Principle. You can find them everywhere books are sold. Uh, The website for the firm Double Forte is just like it sounds: www.double-forte.com. Lee, thanks so much for joining us on the program.
2: David, thank you so much for having me.
1: Small Small Biz America.